Hello, Hello everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my fantastic, there are no words to describe, incredible co-host, Courtney no. Kay. We are coming off of Summer Book Fest weekend. How are you feeling? Have you been sleeping the whole week? <laughs> well, first of all, no words to describe how amazing you are, Fallon. So Fallon like flies in from the Amalfi coast of Italy <laughs> and then is immediately like helping me carry in boxes, checking people in, getting everybody settled, making sure everything's taken care of. Like, I don't know how you did it. And I'm still in awe and your family, like, yeah, they were. they're all bright eyed and wide awake. Like, I know. What is happening? <laughs> I honestly think it was really good for me because it sort of like forced me to get back into our time zone and it allowed me to go to bed early and get up early and have a good excuse for it. Like that first, after the Saturday, after the romance day, like I'm not joking you, I was in bed, showered and asleep by like 8.30, (laughs) but it was glorious. It was amazing. Well, and Romance Day was our biggest day, and we knew it would be, so we were kind of geared up for it. But yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, but it was great. It was fantastic. So, and I've kind of like stayed in that schedule so far. It's sort of weird. Like I've been going to bed really early. Like last night, I was in bed by like nine thirty. But it's kind of nice because my kid goes back to school next week when I have to wake up at the crack of dawn. So it's like it's kind of good. It's getting me in a good flow. I'm here for it. I love that. I love that. I love that. (laughs) We have uh, discovered that we say I love that (laughs) no less than 500 times per episode. I decided that we need to get like little pins made, like little enamel pins that like say I love that. And that will be our first foray into merch. Um, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So I need to find out where you can buy enamel pins. because. Yeah, really. Leanne Schwartz had some really cute enamel pins. I I need to ask her um, at Summer Book Fest for um, a prayer for vengeance. So, yeah, the weekend was just stacked with, like, incredible people, incredible conversations. Fallon, you and I learned so much about running an event and running something like this. Um, And I know we're both exhausted, but I've also, in my head, like, this is going to be fun to try to do again. Yeah. I just like the energy was just so good. Everybody was so kind and so positive and had such a great time. And I think what like, to me, I know when we both went into these things and we were like, okay, we're going to branch out. We're going to start doing like in-person events. Like for us as authors, that was one of the most important things is like making sure that the authors are taken care of because so much goes into these things from the author's point of view where they have to pay for travel. They have to a lot of times get a hotel and, you know, it's like, it's a lot. And the, there's no real fiscal benefit to it for the authors. Like they're not making money off of these things. And so I know that for both of us, it was really important that we do as much as possible to make sure that our authors just had like the best time. And 
that was all that I heard from everyone was just like, this was so incredible. It was so amazing. We had so much fun. Like the panels were all so good. And that just made my heart so, so happy because I feel like, I feel like the readers are going to come to these events and always have a good time because they're seeing authors, they're getting books signed, they're watching panels, they're winning giveaways. But like for the authors to all be like, this was so fun and so great. That was like, that just like made my, made my whole weekend. Yes. And, um, somebody was telling me it's cool that it's put on by authors because you usually see these things put on by publishers. Right. And that was a really big compliment. Like I, I took that really like gratefully because we do come in with a different perspective of this is what we would want. And so um, we aim to provide that. And also for readers, because we've been in that position too, of going to conventions as readers before we became authors. I have, and I know you have too. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing I have to say is like, you know, especially Romance Day, because a lot of authors had actually flown in for that yeah. day. There was a handful, I think three, I think Jenny, Talene, and Dominic and sorry if I'm forgetting anyone, but, and like drove up from San Diego, Anaheim, you from Anaheim, um, you know, they weren't just from like Santa Clarita or LA, like all over. And, um, I was so nervous. Like, what if they come and the hype has been online, but how is that going to translate into real life? And what if they come and spend their money to get here and nobody's here? Yeah, And so like from an author perspective, we literally couldn't have these events without readers coming and just like, thank you to you all for putting out the energy. And a lot of you got hotels and a lot of you came all the days and like were so interactive and positive and beautiful and just like, ah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, and there were many panels during Romance Day that was standing room only, and we were, like, scrambling to bring in chairs, and at one point, we ran out of swag bags, and y'all were so gracious, <laughs> which, this is a funny story, because this was a very <laughs> uh, on-brand brain thing. I forgot that we put a bag of extra swag bags, like, in the side room, so I now have, like, 60 swag bags. So if you're coming to Steamy Lit, make sure you stop by and see Courtney because she has a swag bag for you. So if you, like, for real, if you were at BookFest and you are also going to Steamy Lit, make sure you come see Courtney because she'll give you a swag bag. Yeah. Yeah. I was cleaning everything up and I was like, well, damn. (laughs) It's all good. But yeah, it's like these are the things that we learn. And I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, I talk about this all the time. I'm a a wedding planner in my real life. So I am planning events and attending events constantly. And like, I just had that moment where I was like waiting for something to go wrong because it's just inevitable. Like it's just inevitable. Like somebody gets sick or like, you know, some like sort of like weird thing happens that you just haven't planned for because you can't plan for anything. And this was like, the smoothest event I have ever seen. Like there were no hiccups really. Even like when we did run out of swag bags, nobody was like mad about it. Like they were just like, everybody was super chill. And it was just like, yeah, I just kept waiting for something to go wrong and it never did. And thankfully we had all those free arcs. 
Yes, uh, we had so many arts. Yeah, so amazing. people got books and they were happy with that. Yeah. Which we are so grateful to everyone who sent us swag because it was we were we were overloaded with swag. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. amazing. Yeah, and Barnes and Noble um employees were they were so like supportive the whole weekend and Yeah. Everybody was great. Um, more than one person was like, so this will be happening again next summer, right? And I was like, guys, you got to give me like five minutes here. <laughs> we got to take like a long nap first. I was like, let me just like fully digest this one and then we can chat about it. I know. Oh, and then when like we had reporters show up from like the local news on Saturday and Sunday, but when I tell you, when I saw them, I was like, oh my God, I feel so fancy right now. We're famous. <laughs> this is going in the Christmas card. <laughs> no, but it was cool because like, I wanted that for the authors that were there. Like I wanted yeah. them to be getting photos and I wanted them to, to feel I don't know that that pride and yeah. I, I hope they did. And um, everyone was just so lovely. I can't say enough good things about it. Like there was one moment when I walked out of the event space um, into the larger retail store and I just heard like everyone laughing and talking and everyone was so happy. And I was like, that's cool. That's, yeah. That right there is like worth everything. I mean, the vibes the entire weekend were just on point yeah no notes no notes the vibe check the whole time was incredible um I just loved every second of it and I really did think like I was concerned as I was coming home from Italy I was like I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this weekend I know like I feel like I'm just gonna crash but I never did because it was just like so fun to be there and it just like there's just like that adrenaline that you get when you're just like surrounded by so many people who all love the same things as you do. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just like the best feeling. And I just, I love that we're getting to have that as readers and as authors again. Um, and it just made me, it made me super excited for Stevie lit because we don't have to do any work. (laughs) And I was like, we just get to hang out and be like, fully in the vibes and I can't wait for that it's gonna be so incredible yeah we're just gonna be day drinking at Disneyland on Wednesday uh-huh uh-huh hydrating that evening yes ready to just yes. mingle on Thursday it's gonna be great it's gonna be fantastic um and I wanted to say too like a major shout out to our guest moderators who also <sighs> drove so Killed far it. Um, absolutely crushed it with their questions, with their energy, with like, and a lot of them were there like the whole weekend. The whole time. And they um, were like checking people in yeah. and like doing things that were like not within the scope of what we asked them to do. I and know. just like didn't even have to be asked. They just like jumped in and were doing all the things. It was incredible. It was amazing. And we had readers be like, if you want volunteers next time. Yes. So we'll definitely, Which we you know. Do. It, <laughs> Yeah, it took a community to put it on. Like, we couldn't have done it without, like, all of these people. Yeah. And then the end result was, like, this amazing community. So it was, like, this full yeah. circle thing. And it was, it was I'm going to be, like, thinking about it for a really long time. Yeah, it was incredible. And um, we won't say too much about it yet, but 
I did send an email literally the next day to the authors that will be involved in our next in-person event, which is going to be in October. And it's going to be in Solvang, California, which is like one of my favorite cities in the entire state. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, I'm taking this like high and we're moving right on to the next thing. I'm so excited. Your email had me on the floor laughing because you were like, it's been 24 hours. So now we're moving on. <laughs> Time to play the next one. This is how Courtney and I roll. <laughs> oh, so funny. Well, I feel like, yeah, getting people on board is the first step, right? You yes. got to know, you got to know who's in and then you can start actually yeah. planning. It's and with your wedding planning and my trade show planning background, we're a good, we're a great match. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause like the night before Friday for summer book fest, I went into full on trade show mode and I went to like target and got all the masks, sanitizers, notepads, Kleenex, like all the things that I would have at a trade show booth waters. <laughs> and I was like, we're going to need it. And you know what? We needed it. We did. We did. Yeah. So yeah. We went yeah. great. It's going to, we're just going to continue to build our book empire. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> told Courtney, eventually we're going to have to open a bookstore because that's going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we could start with a, with a like cute little book truck. Oh my God. That would be adorable. Maybe a book bar. A, bu- a book bar. Oh my yes. God. Yes. I love where this is going. Trademarked. <laughs> yeah don't steal it um, uh, <laughs> so, okay well in the vein of summer book fest yes. we had the amazing holly james yes her publisher was incredible to release her sophomore novel like a couple days early early yeah which is amazing so if you got holly's book at summer book fest you got it before anybody else so lucky you lucky you and yeah. i know this will release this episode after the event, but you're moderating Holly's launch at Meet Cute Bookshop this weekend. Which we love. I'm super excited about it. And I had to like take a minute and be like, I can't just repeat all the things that we talked about on the podcast. (laughs) I was like, I have to write in some new questions for her. (laughs) Actually, when I um, did Amy Spaulding's uh, like kind of her second launch for No Boy Summer, I actually went back into our notes for her episode and was like, okay, I'm going to have to switch this up. (laughs) But it was a good starting point. Yeah, it helps. And I got to listen to her talk about her book on the panel. So actually, like, while she was on her panel, I was, like, taking notes about things I wanted to ask her. (laughs) So I was like, I got a little sneak peek. Um, Holly is incredible. The Deja Glitch is amazing it is so freaking cute mm-hmm. um so we will be right back with holly james hi everyone and welcome back to happy to meet cute we are so excited to have today's guest with us uh she is one of our fellow 22 debuts she is a fellow southern californian and we just absolutely adore her we are so excited to have holly james with us here today holly james holds a phd in psychology which 
just reading that made me very scared for how much psychoanalyzing is going to happen in our conversation today. Holly, please don't judge me. Um, She has worked in both academia and the tech industry. She loves telling stories with big hearts and a touch of magic. She currently lives in Southern California with her husband and her dog. Holly, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Of course, I am thrilled to be here. And my dog is actually in the room with me. So she's appearing on the podcast as well. We love that. <laughs> you might hear her snoring in the background. We love her. What breed is she? She's a rescue, but she's, uh, we're pretty positive. She's like a pit bull lab mix. So she's oh. very, she has like a brindle coat and she's very energetic <gasps> and like meaty. <laughs> <laughs> Good for cuddles and squeezes. Oh yeah, Definitely. <laughs> Oh, love that. Um, I did not know until reading your bio just the second that you have a PhD in psychology. That is amazing. And also probably really helpful as a writer. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's not in clinical psychology. So I'm not, not like a counselor or a therapist, but I do, you know, I'm studying it through my, my schooling, but I'm more like a research psychologist and I, um, I'm into research methodology and design and statistics and the super quantitative nerdy side of it. But I do have a health psychology specifically so like health behavior change i'm probably down in a relevant rabbit hole but <laughs> damn <laughs> that's that's the other, other side of my life that's <laughs> so cool of, outside of writing <laughs> oh that's amazing i love that um and i yeah i could just see how like i mean because i kind of feel like when you're a writer you know part of our whole job is to like try and get inside our characters heads and you know figure them out and i could see how there's a, a good crossover there yeah, yeah, I do sometimes. I, I think I do that a lot, like unconsciously. I don't really think that I'm doing it, and then I'll like go back and look at like what motivates someone's behavior. And I'm like, oh, that totally follows like this theory or like this whatever. And you have a superpower. I love it. Well, I don't know. I think it just makes me more like obnoxious about my right. <laughs> or like it has to make sense about every little thing. I don't know. So we. Um... <laughs> All three of us were part of the 22 debut class, which is awesome. And we are all on our sophomore novels now. And Holly, you're just about to ring in your sophomore novel, which actually by the time we air this, it will be pub week. So how are you feeling? Excited. I I have a lot of emotions, I guess, because it's, yeah, I I think we're going to talk about this in in a minute, but I I actually wrote this book a while ago. So it's kind of been back of mind. um, And as I've been going through the publicity with my my publishing team, I've I've had to like refresh what it's about and, you know, really reconnect with the story and the characters and everything. Um, But then of course, at the same time, I'm going through revisions for book three and I actually have another book in a different genre on submission. And so there's a lot of a lot of plates in the air, um, but I'm trying to really be present for this because I know this is kind of the culmination of everything. You know, this little window of of really intense uh, recognition and celebration for this this one project. Um, so I'm very happy to be here to talk about it because I, I love I love this book. I love this story. It's so much fun. Get back in it. All right. Well, why don't you tell us all about the Deja Glitch? All right. So this is a story. Um, it's a time loop story, but with a twist. So it's set in LA um, and it's about, we can call them strangers to start, but we'll find out that they're not actually strangers. Um, it's about strangers who, who meet and they're stuck in a 24 hour time loop and they have to fall in love to break out of the loop. 
But the catch is that Jack, our hero, remembers the entire loop and Gemma feels like every day is the first day that they've met. So every time they encounter, he's like, you know, I know all this about you. We've met before. And she's like, who are you? Um, so he has to convince her, you know, this is going on. This is really happening. And convince her to, to fall in love with him, essentially. And the spin that I put on it is that we actually only see one day of the loop. So we don't see it repeating over and over and over, which is very common of this trope. We just see a single loop or a single day of the loop and we see it from Jenna's perspective. So we see it from the perspective of the person who does not know. So it was really fun to kind of invert the trope in, in that way um, and see what it would be like to have you know someone try to convince you that this is really happening and then you know you're not believing it but at the same time you're having these instances of like oh this does feel like maybe something something fishy is going on so deja vu very fun very fun to play with it exactly deja vu yeah and so i didn't i well we can get into that but i guess a more a more like a more detailed description of it might be that um it, it is set in la and I, I really like kind of setting stories on like the periphery of the entertainment industry um, so none of the main characters are actually celebrities. So like my first book was about a celebrity publicist and she had celebrity clients, but it wasn't, you know, the main focus wasn't, wasn't a celebrity. Um, why that just kind of has become my thing um, to do these peripheral entertainment industry stories. Um, but so Gemma's a, a radio producer and Jack is a TV screenwriter. Um, and they realized throughout the course of this day being lived over and over that there are many aspects of their lives that are kind of holding so they're stuck for more than more reasons than just needing to fall in issues with like their families and their jobs and all sorts of things. So it's kind of this larger journey through, you know, moving moving life forward. Um, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to write. And of course there are some ridiculous celebrities in it as well, but they're side characters. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the ridiculous celebrities. Yes. <laughs> right, love it. That's amazing. Well, um, we kind of chatted a little bit about this before we started recording because uh, we have talked a lot on this podcast about the sophomore slump and just like how hard it is to write your second book. Um, but you did something brilliant to escape that. And you wrote this book before your first book came out, which is amazing. Um, so kind of, can you walk us through like that process? Like how did this idea come to you and you know, what kind of inspired your writing it? Yeah, I didn't, until you said that, I honestly didn't even realize that the timing had lined up like that. That wasn't intentional. I think <laughs> I get very, I'm 110% a panther. Like I get so consumed and obsessed with a story that I think of nothing else until I've like spewed it all out of myself. Um, sorry, that sounds gross, but <laughs> it's, an, it's an apt, an apt metaphor. Um, Love that though. It's so relatable. So, yeah. So I got the idea for this um, and it just came flowing out. But I think I remember... So my first book um, was turned in in like the final draft was turned in like summer of 2021. And I remember um, going back and forth with my agent about a couple other ideas for how to follow it up. And that one was not firmly positioned as like a romance novel. It was more women's fiction with like a romantic subplot. So, and it was a one book deal. Um, so I had like my option book could have kind of gone whatever direction. Um, and so we were tossing around ideas that were more women's fiction were more, romance were just kind of nebulous and whatever I was coming up with. Um, and then I got the idea for this one. And I remember I wrote like the first three chapters of it and I pitched it to my agent and she got back to me like in like a couple hours. She's like, this 
was so good. I was kind of shocked um, because that's what the video asked me to know. Um, <laughs> um, and then, so she was like, yes, you know, keep keep doing this and keep working on this. So I did. And I, as per my contract, I only had to write, you know, like three chapters in the synopsis or whatever the, the option clause was. Um, but I ended up writing like because I was so in love with it and I just kept going and going. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it spilled out pretty quickly and I, I got the idea for it. I really wanted to write a story around a couple where one person couldn't remember the other person, but in a very comedic way, not in like a sanitary way. I wanted it to be fun. Because I kind of had this, the seed of the idea was like one person approaching the other person, like, it's me. Like, of course, we're in love with each other. And the other person being like, who are you? I just thought that would be funny. I just thought that would be funny to play with. And, and to think of like, if their bond could really survive something like that, you know, if like the love of your life came up to you and was like, it's me and the love of your life, and you had no idea who they are, would they be able to convince you? Um, so that was the original idea. And I didn't really know how to go about um, executing it. Like, that's one of my toxic traits is this really cool hook and then no idea how to execute it. Um, <laughs> I do um, the same thing. <laughs> I, I think it's a common toxic trait among writers. Um, but uh, I didn't initially conceptualize this as a time loop story like at all. Um, I That kind of just popped up organically along the way. But I do remember, so this was summer of 2021 and I was, I had this idea floating around and at the same time, Olivia Rodrigo's song Deja Vu was all over everything. <laughs> I heard it every time I got in the car, the radio everywhere. And one day it just like struck me. I was like, oh my God, Deja Vu is how it can unfold this story into something to make sense. And so then I got the idea of, you know, of the story, like, I feel like I've been here before and I kind of remember this person and I'm not sure why. Um, really kind of planted the rest of the seeds, I guess, to, to have the story unfold. And then it became this quirky little time loop story that they've been through the same day but she couldn't remember and he was in love with her and here we are so i guess i can i can kind of thank olivia um for (laughs) for her her hit song um Uh, make sure you send her a copy of your book (gasps) for sure yeah for sure actually you know what fun story my husband um he grew up in orange county and he was kind of involved in some of the music scene and one of his friends from high school is Olivia Rodrigo's guitarist. Well, yeah. Do it. Do so. it. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to hand this off. Just be like, you know, just in case you're interested in a book inspired by one of your songs, maybe check this out. And also please post it on your TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> your 50 billion followers. <laughs> I love Amazing. that. Um, what a cool story and concept. Yeah. And like, journey and I, I guess oh so how long did it take you from like idea spark to completion for this project um that's a good question I think yeah this one just came so quickly <laughs> I, I think they turned in so that was like probably July of 2021 almost almost two years ago yeah and I think I turned in the final draft of me too so Wow. Like a round of revisions and with my agent. I can't remember. Yeah, I remember though, I, I had written it quickly enough that my agent actually changed the delivery date, the DNA date in my 
contract in June to January. She like posted it because we were going to be ready. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I just love how it like, no matter the time span, like how a story can evolve like that. I I always love like the evolution of a story. Definitely. I know. I'm so endlessly fascinated by creativity and just how our, our minds work and how stories come to us and evolve and change. And I know I wish I could study writers. That would be (laughs) another PhD (laughs) on just writers brains. That would be scary, but also fascinating. Like, so fascinating. I think um, we've heard a lot of people talk about their process and I think so far yours is maybe the most similar to mine because I feel like mine is very chaotic where I don't plot at all. And I just like sit down and write. And I usually get my first draft done pretty quickly if I like really love the idea. Um, But it's so interesting that everybody just has their own way of doing things and they all produce a similar product and that we end up with a book, but everybody gets there like a totally different way. And I love that. Yeah, it's totally different. And I've really noticed, so right now I'm, I'm really deep into revisions on book three. Um, I've, I've, recognized in, in myself the way that I do revisions like I, I think so much better on the page like I can try to have mm. a conversation with my editor and I'm just kind of jumbled and messy <laughs> but if I start writing it it just it's so much easier for me to do it that way um which is I don't know it's kind of it's kind of cool but it's kind of frustrating like for my editor because it, <laughs> it's like I'm, I can't explain it I have to do it you know and <laughs> she's endlessly patient and wonderful so it works Fallon, actually, you relate to that too, huh? Yeah, I do. Um, And I think that that's been kind of the nice thing about I've been lucky enough to have my same editor for, you know, we're working on book three now. And it's like she, I think she gets me better at this point. And she sort of like knows how my process works. And like, she kind of just trusts me to do the thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel like I've developed that relationship too. So I've been with the same editor, um, for books two and three book one I was handed off like as soon as I I submitted the final manuscript my that editor left publishing (laughs) so she saw me all the way up through like actual publication you know so all the editing was with her and everything but then um from there on out I've had my current editor and it's yeah it's so interesting how you do need to develop that kind of trusting relationship and and I know now like I'll write something and I'm like, oh, this is bad, but she'll fix it. You know, like she'll know what to do here. Like I have, I have so much trust in her now. And that's, that's kind of a really special, I don't know, cool thing that like, and, and what's even stranger about it is like, I've only ever talked to her like on Zoom and on email. Actually, I did meet her once in person, but like we, we developed these really emotionally intense relationships <laughs> with these yeah. other professionals. And like, we've never seen in person and yeah, publishing so weird. Every single part of it is so strange. Yeah. That's a strange they, industry. Like, kind of like your boss a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, sometimes I want to text my editor and be like, hey, and then I'm like, no boundaries. I know. I know. I, know. I think of that too. Like, I'll think of like a really funny joke and I'm like, should I tag her in this? I'm like, oh, is that weird? I don't know. I, I kind of like looking at it because I, I, I'm the same way. I'm like, especially when I first got into publishing, it was very like, okay, well, they're not like my bestie CPs and they're not like my boss at my day job. It's like something in the middle. So I feel like I look at them as my team. Like I like that word for it because it feels a little like 
you can relax here, but also like, I don't know, it, it gives me like a better sense of how, how to act. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I get say. that. I get that. And I totally, actually, I was just having this conversation the other day with um, my husband. So I had to, again, sorry, I keep talking about book three, but it's so front of mind with my revisions. I, I had had a call with my editor and my agent. Um, and then I thought of something after the fact that I wanted to like follow up with. And I, for one of the first times ever, I didn't overthink like my question. I just wrote it and sent it. And I was mm. telling my husband this and he was like, He's like, oh, you used to like read it out loud to me and like make sure it made sense and like practice. And I was like, no, and it's kind of amazing that. And I think I think it just helps that you know we've been in this in this on this journey together for like three and a half years at this point, and so we've at least I've finally developed this level of comfort where I know the end product is going to be better for whatever pain we have to go through to get there, and I know they're just trying to support me, you know, so I'm not like yeah as terrified as I used to be to like throw out an idea or want to make a change about something. And I think I'm, I'm really happy to have gotten to that point. It's a while to, to get here. And I, and I think just on my part, you know, just to, because writing is such a vulnerable thing and to, to send off, you know, your heart and soul to (laughs) these people who are going to critique it is, is a scary thing to do. Um, But I think I finally have gotten to a point where I'm like more comfortable and confident doing it. Again, publishing is so weird. I feel like that segues. Oh, go ahead, Fallon. No, I was just saying, yeah, it is. It's very strange. (laughs) Yeah, it is weird because it's not like you can't compare it to another industry, especially as a creative, like, like coming from my day job. So I I work in um, the music industry for my day job, like the music manufacturing industry. And so we deal with a lot of creative people and artists, but it's also very business and driven. So it's like, I knew the etiquette, right? I've been there for like 15 years. So I know the etiquette. I know how to do the emails. I know how to do the communication, but coming into publishing was very different, especially when you're the one who's the creative, uh, I was going to say talent, but I was like, does that sound conceited? That's, but you know what I mean? Like, um, but see, even that's part of it. We don't even think of ourselves like that. Like, no. we're, it's, it's so hard to think of yeah. like you're the, when you're the, the artist, the core of this. Yeah. Um, and it also was such a weird transition. Sorry, going off on this ta- tangent, but it is weird. And I, I remember I had this moment of like, there is a lot, there are a lot of people whose jobs it is to, work on this thing that I just like poured into my computer. Like that's their jobs. And this is weird and um, humbling. And it was, I don't know. It's just so bizarre. Forming that editor relationship is a really cool like growth journey because for my second book, especially um, I, I had come from a point of being used to sending off my work to a lot of my critique partners And with the timeline of book two deadlines, I just didn't have the time. Um, And so I relied on my editor to be that person. And so you do, you develop, you get really close. And uh, that's why I like bless the editors and bless like the amazing teams. Like, you know, know. they're all out here doing the work. Incredible. And I, that's something too, that like what you just said, I had such a hard time still it just baffles me to think that like this thing that I just spewed into my computer is literally 
affecting people's jobs. Like people I've never even met. So like the marketing team and, you know, the, the cover designer and like, it's, it's just, yeah, it's so just totally strange to think that you, it's like this domino effect of like this, this spark of an idea. And now it has snowballed into this whole huge production that involves dozens of people. And, I know yeah. it's bizarre. And then, um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, shoot, what was it? Well, you guys go. I forgot. This always happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But I did think we were in a good spot because we wanted to talk yeah. a little bit about like balancing the emotions of being an author. And that's like a huge topic that could go a million different ways. And Holly, I think you put it much more eloquently on your little info sheet that we had you fill out. Um, and I just like zoned in on those two words. I was mm. like, emotional balance. Is that a thing? Can we achieve it? How do I get that? <laughs> Sorry to say I have no idea. Um, no, I, yeah, I think Is, sorry, I've started and stopped like ten times. Like you said, a million directions. I'm Take to think your of time. Where to start. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it has really become. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I guess with with all these multiple projects in the air, um, and now that I'm more deeply entrenched in publishing, you know, I've I'm. I don't want to say midway into my career and then limit myself, but I'm, <laughs> I'm my career. I'm beyond my debut. Let's yes, say that. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, something that I was never, I mean, nobody really tells you anything when you get into publishing, you learn along the way. And, you know, usually through the, the grace of very kind other authors who <laughs> pick you up and explain things as you're falling apart. But um, I was not prepared for the overlap in all of the different projects and kind of the extreme emotional fluctuation that comes with that. So an example there is like, just because of the production timelines on books, you know, if you're, you're doing, like right now I'm doing promotion for book two, right? currently in revisions for book three and I'm about to pitch potential book four and on any given day you know as authors we live and die by our email I could get an email that's like you know you were chosen for book of the month and like Kirk has hated your book <laughs> within minutes of each other you know and it's and that like to be the able balance to of the universe from those things is I mean it's yep. really really challenging and I yeah. think I I didn't anticipate the amount of, I guess, the frequency that that would happen, kind of these huge ups and downs. Um, and I didn't, at first didn't really know how to handle them, you know, and I've, I think I've, I've tried to kind of compartmentalize and I, so this all, this, my, my kind of awakening here <laughs> came from the other day, I was talking to a friend who had, unfortunately, like a really bad news day and a really good news day, really close together. And I was trying to give advice. And I, I said, um, you know, don't, don't let the low of one thing bring down the high of the other, just because they happened at the same time like mm -hmm. this, this high, you really want to celebrate this one thing. And yeah, this other thing really, really sucks. But I mean, it's, it's, it's just so hard to, <laughs> to have them both at the same time. And I try to, I tried to take that advice to heart myself and remember, you know, you, you really do have to celebrate the highs in this industry because they're rare and can be sometimes extremely high and sometimes moderately high and sometimes, you know, in comparison to something else, it's still great. Um, but it's, it's, just really challenging all the time to to balance it and and you I feel like you can't really anticipate when something's gonna happen um mm -hmm. that's 
yeah, that's actually, I know we were, I mentioned um, the book Yellow Face, which I think we're going to talk about. Um, but one of my, one of my favorite lines in there was, she said something about how, like you, you just, it's publishing is silent. You're just waiting for an email. And then you're like in the grocery store or waiting for the subway and you get the email that changes your life. I'm like, yes, that's exactly how it is. Like, you never know when something's going to pop up and kind of completely reroute your, your day and, you know, the emotional trajectory of your day. Yeah, I I don't know that I have any advice on how to handle that. I think I've just become much more aware of it. Um, I try to remember that good and bad will happen all the time. Um, One thing that's really kind of interesting about it is sometimes those really good and bad conversations are happening with the same people. Like you'll get an email from your editor that's like, here's some amazing news. And like five minutes later, here's some crushing news. (laughs) Well, um, so, yeah, I don't know, but I think just being aware of of this massive swinging nature of of the emotion in this industry is is at least helpful to me to know that you know things can can change on a dime and that it's difficult to deal with and it's and I feel like it's difficult for everybody you know anyone maybe maybe authors who have been in this industry for decades can kind of brush it off but I think most people with relatively normal human emotions. <laughs> find it difficult to deal with. Yeah. But I do think what you said about, you know, you can't let the lows, you sort of like negate the highs and really taking the time to celebrate the wins because they don't always come as much as we would like them to. And like that definitely really hit me um, during Lease, Lease on Love's debut because it was like, you know, here is this moment that I literally my entire life have been waiting for to like have my first book published and seeing it on the shelves and all that. But in that same time frame, I was struggling so much with writing just my type and feeling like I can't do this. And I only had one book in me. And <laughs> like, I, yes, here's my debut, but I'm probably never going to publish anything good else ever again. And it's so hard. Like, it's really hard to celebrate that one big exciting thing when at the same time you're feeling so down about this other thing. Um, And yeah, you do. I mean, you have to let yourself take the wins, but that's way easier said than done. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely easier said than done. And easier said than done. And I think, yeah, I've noticed that I... I'll kind of, to the extent that I can kind of control the influx of information. Like if I get an email, you know, like sometimes I'll, if I have to go into like a day job meeting and I see an email from like a publishing email and like, I'm not going to read that right now because it might completely derail my day. (laughs) Yeah. And then I won't be able to focus on this other thing, um, which of course, you know, not reading a publishing email is like torturing yourself, but yeah, <laughs> I've I've tried to find tried to find ways to kind of balance it out, um, and and really do celebrate the wins. You know, I saw I saw advice one time that was like, you know, throw yourself the party, send yourself flowers, buy a cake, and I I do all of that because that's makes it fun, and it's yeah, gotta gotta live it up some way after all this work you put into it. I needed to hear all of this so badly, like just <laughs> uh, no on a like on a personal level. Ever since um, I got into Pitch Wars, uh, so twenty the end of twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty twenty, woo, <laughs> uh, 
what is time? But um, it was, uh, it's like that I, I had been working on this thing so hard for so long. And then you're getting these emails that are literally like, your dream manifesting on your computer, right? And that dopamine rush, like there's nothing like getting one of those emails, right? We know it. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like my brain kept anticipating, you know, but then you get the really low ones too. And it's like, it really emulates sometimes how I feel like the the rush of anxiety versus the low of depression. And it's like, it really messes with my head for real. And just being like, um, the, all these impulses that like, okay, we'll check, check, anticipate, anticipate. And it, it, it has messed me up for a long time. And when I'm not getting an email or when I'm in a waiting period, that's when I kind of get extra, addicted to social media. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like that instant um, uh, information. Yeah. Yeah, It replaces that. Yeah. That. And it's also basically. (laughs) Yeah. Because it does become a very like chemical thing. And I've had to talk to my therapist about it a lot um, because it, obviously I've never had to deal with anything like this before. And it's, you know, since you, once you get into publishing, it's almost like nonstop. And so learning how to Mm -hmm. kind of like reacclimate, I really don't think I have yet. I think I'm still learning how, and, um, because everything just goes so fast and you get to this point where it's like, okay, well, after this project, then I'll recenter, then I'll, I'll feel more grounded. But like the emails don't stop. The, The communication doesn't stop. The new projects don't stop. So like, learning how like you have to learn how to adapt and I really haven't learned that yet like honestly so I really needed to hear this because (laughs) I haven't talked to anyone else about it before and I thought it was maybe just my own issue of these like wild highs and lows and not knowing how to like exist between them yeah no I feel like this topic doesn't get discussed that much you know it's I mean, at least not publicly online or anything, you know, you see, you just see the highs. Yeah. (laughs) You see everyone celebrating their book deals and their cover releases and, you know, all the fun, exciting stuff. Um, But there's so much more behind that. And um, I mean, one of the biggest resources I have found is just a group of other writers. Yeah. I have this really um, close knit group. It's actually all of my agent siblings. So all, not all of them, but a good chunk of my other, my agent's other clients, we have a Slack group that we talk in constantly not just about publishing I mean mostly about publishing but about random you know current events pop culture whatever Um, and that has been so helpful to me because it really normalizes all of this just kind of emotional chaos of this industry and and we you know we check in about about anything like oh I just got an email from my publicist about blah 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 and you know we'll kind of cheer each other on or, or say like yeah that's super frustrating you know just to have someone validate any of these emotions, whether they're extreme or tiny, you know, on any given day is, is really helpful. And, and I think actually, Courtney, what you said about, um, there's like when there's a, like a lull Mm -hmm. in in whatever's going on with your book, um, and you, you crave something to replace that kind of communication and validation and 
dopamine hit of, <laughs> of anything. I really, it occurred to me the other day that I think that's why that group is so active in that Slack channel, because it serves that purpose when we don't this daily communication that we all wish we had from the publishing team every single day on everything we're doing. It's just not feasible and it doesn't exist. And I think we have found this kind of surrogate outlet for it where we're like addicted to each other and each other's <laughs> views. <laughs> because within the group, you know, it's a group of like, I don't know, 12 to 15 people. And within that group on any given day, something's happening for someone, you know? So we're, we're discussing or celebrating or, or whatever. And at least for me personally, that kind of fills this void of like not hearing from my publishing team as, as much as I wish I did. Not that they're like slacking or anything. That's just the nature of it. Yes. You know? It's just, yeah. you know, there's not something happening every single day as much as we wish it yeah. was. <laughs> Isn't it wild that we all feel that way? Like I, yes. yeah, like I'll get like four or five emails from my editor over this course of like two or three days, but then I don't hear from her again for like four weeks. And it's cause like yeah. we handled the business that we needed to handle and there's nothing pressing coming up. And I'm like, well, did she forget about me? Am I her favorite now? Am I, did I get demoted? Like, does she still like, love can I invent me? a reason to talk to her? <laughs> and it takes time. Like, um, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast before, but it might be helpful for debuts to know because I remember feeling like, okay, during debut, it's going to be busy all the time. And in a sense, there is a lot going on, especially when you first sign your contract um, and then once like, you know, arcs hit and all of that, but the busiest, at least in my experience, like news time is like a month out from pub because that's yeah. when a lot of things are coming in. Um, but what was I, what was I going to say about that? Oh, readjusting to the period afterwards is weird. Yes. Yes. There's a crash for sure. There's a yes. crash. There's and a I big crash. Yeah. And um, I know I've said this before on the pod, but just I had set up a call with my agent and editor after that, um, like maybe six months post release when things sort of die down just to be just to kind of recalibrate. And it was so helpful. And I'm definitely going to be doing it this next time, um, you know, or just with your agent or just with a group of friends, you know. And if you're an indie author like that would be really helpful, too, to just have like, hey, let's let's have a like support group after just so we yes. can kind of like look ahead or share feeling or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, it, yeah. Like really addressing the emotional spikes of it all is a huge aspect that um, often gets overlooked and really needs to come into account when we think about our mental health. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think to some extent that's rooted in just, the nature of what we're doing like yeah. writing a book is so intensely emotional and <laughs> yeah. just <laughs> mentally consuming in every way and then you just kind of you know hand it off and it's out in the world and you have no control over anything anymore and it's <laughs> yeah of course that's going to be difficult of course it's actually it's, so yeah. funny you say that because this morning I was picturing that image okay you know in the movie twister when they release all of the little um, scent, like little scent, Dorothy ball things, yes, yes, into the tornado. <laughs> That's how I feel, like on Hub <laughs> Day, like all the little books going out, bye bye, into the tornado, <laughs> tornado. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, 
I actually haven't done this before, but I think I'm going to for pub day next year where I'm going to schedule like at least a weekend, like six weeks post book release, like a weekend where I just go and like sit on the beach or like Mm. go to a cabin somewhere. I will not be going to a cabin. That is not a thing I do, but (laughs) (laughs) go to a nice hotel somewhere. That's more my speed. Yeah. But just something that like, A, you have something then to look forward to, you know, after the sort of rush calms down. But also then I feel like it'll be a good chance to sort of just like recalibrate the brain a little bit, have like a little bit of downtime, a little bit of me time, and just like have some relaxation built in there. Lean into the low. Embrace the rest of it. Yes. Yeah, I think too, another way, I'm always trying to psychoanalyze everything, but me too. I think that that part of this, so a lot of, a lot of writers, you know, we have day jobs as well. Um, Dang it. It's just the reality of publishing for a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, like we take vacations from our day jobs and I've never even considered like take a vacation from writing because at least in my own, like, I don't know perception of, of this that's kind of writing is kind of like my secondary career you know it's the the one that has less stability than my day job um so I kind of mentally treat it that way and I, I never think it like if I have time off from my day job I use it to write so I've, I've never really thought before like oh maybe I need a break from that too which is totally fair because it is by far much more emotionally draining than my day job is yeah yeah I just had a little epiphany here thank you for this Yes. yes, thank you. Vacations. Let's do it. Let's plan it. Love it. Okay. Well, we touched on a quick little mention of this, um, but the book Yellow Face, which is currently sitting on my table, like literally right next to me because I'm starting it later today because I am so excited, but also terrified. Um, <laughs> you have read it already. Um so maybe give us like some spoiler free why everyone needs to read this book. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I actually, I listened to the audiobook. I had to drive up to LA um, uh, a couple weekends ago and I live down in San Diego area. So it's a, a bit of a, a haul. And I listened to the entire thing on that trip there and back. I think I had like 10 minutes of it left when I got home and I came in. It was like, nobody talked to me. I have to finish this. Um, but I think I think it will land differently for people in the publishing industry than non-publishing industry people. But it's still very entertaining and engaging and informative for that that audience as well. Um, but oh man, it hits so hard. Just the accuracy of it. Just the first chapter of it, I was like breathless. It's so painfully precise about just the experience of being an author and being published and and not necessarily being like a big author being like a midlist or a you know a, a floundering author and just all the emotions tied into that and what it's like to you know feel neglected and jealous and just everything all the negative things um and so i mean the basic plot of the story is these two friends these two young women um, that went to school together. Um, they're both writers, and one of them becomes this just superstar, best-selling, you know, film deals, mega everything. And the other one, her debut novel, like flops. Um, and they're really the only friend that the other person has. And one night, they're hanging out together after the the superstar's like latest Netflix deal. They're 
and this is not a spoiler, it's right on the cover, she dies. She accidentally dies. And the other one sees her newest manuscript and takes it and decides to publish it as her own. And she does a, a, a lot of revision and editorial work to it, of course. Um, sorry, my dog has decided to join the conversation. <laughs> and it uh, comes out and it's published and it's a huge success. But the catch is she is um, a white author and the other, the super famous one was um, an Asian American author. And so it's called Yellowface because she's basically, you know, taking on this, this cultural identity that doesn't belong to her. And it's all this commentary on who's allowed to write what story, but it's so cleverly done because the actual author <laughs> is an Asian American woman and she's writing it as from the perspective of the white character. And oh, I've got like chills talking about it. Me too. It's so it's so like meta and so good, but just as an as an author, it will make you feel simultaneously so validated and also just like upset. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that about just just the the way that this industry works and just the way that you know things things are received and like the online commentary and just like just everything in there is is so accurate. I've had several friends read it, and we've all had like the same same reaction one person described it as uncomfortable and I was like that's because it, it is so validating but you realize that what's validating about it is all of the negative feelings you have oh, shit. about this journey and the difficulties of it yeah so it feels good to see it in print but at the same time you're like dang this industry is rough Oof. so if I just frightened you away from it I'm sorry but <laughs> I recommend it it was it was a very very good read very engaging and, and then of course you know all carried through there is this this whole like what's going to happen you know she's going to get caught for doing this and how is that going to play out and she's basically committed this massive plagiarism and how is it going to be handled and she has all these emotions tied to it and yeah. genius what a genius Good premise book. yeah i know i know it's so it's one of those where you're like dang it i wish i wrote that ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's so fascinating and i just um I really just love that I think we're starting as authors to be a little bit more open about our experiences and the things that we go through and, you know, for so long, and it still is in general, publishing is just so like, we keep the secrets secret. Like we don't yeah. talk, we don't talk about publishing. We just kind of take it and, you know, <laughs> move on. Yeah. Um, but I just love hearing people be more open and more honest. We've had people on our podcast who've been able to do that. I know I've talked about the Publishing Rodeo podcast on here before, um, which is incredible if you haven't listened to it. It's two debut authors who were published the same debut year from the same publisher, same genre. One is like a lead title and one was like mid-list and just the different experiences that you have in those positions. Um, and it's just, I think it's like, we need to talk about it. And I feel like people really need to know what they're getting into because yeah. most of us don't when we sign that exactly. first contract. <laughs> exactly. I know that's yeah. And I feel like to some extent that's intentional on the industry's part. Totally. Because <laughs> there's some things they're just like so cagey and just not transparent about. And, you're, and I, I'm, I'm always in the back of my mind, like, okay, who's benefiting from us not having this information like what are they doing <laughs> yeah i don't know well yeah. and oh sorry go ahead Fallon. 
No, I was just, yes, oh. yes, nodding aggressively. I, it's such a nuanced industry that uh, secrets can just thrive in because everything is different between each house, each imprint, each, you know, editorial team, each, um, and from the author side, you know, the industry wants to keep authors happy and creating while at the same time, it's not a meritocracy. Like you, other authors are going to get things you don't, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no like, oh, just work harder and you'll climb the ranks. There's nothing yeah, like that. Yeah. There's no work harder and you'll get paid more. There's no like nothing in any, that's why I'm saying like nothing in any other business industry. You can't compare it. Because it's so nuanced and so there's no rhyme or reason to like Mm -hmm. how things work out. And also because it is a very consumer driven industry and very like it relies on whatever is selling, you know, and so it's just, yeah, here we are. We, we chose this. I know. (laughs) I know. And that's, I've, I've really found too that like you, like what you just said, like you can't really compare your journey to anyone else's because it's so different and it's so like, we always, you know, in the research world, we say it's an N of one trial. It's a, it's a single person study. Like Mm. you can't, it's a case study. (laughs) You can't, you can't like draw generalized conclusions from anything because it's, it's never going to be the same across. No. Across across imprints, across publishers. Yeah, it's. Even like I have friends with my same agent and my same editor and we've had totally different experiences Yeah, in the same house in the same, you know, like, um, I mean, publishing house, but, um, and that's, and that's not to say positive or negative, just, you know, every, every individuals, even if you were to have the same exact like trajectory of your career, you would have two different experiences. It's wild. And mm-hmm. because you're creating different projects, you know? Yeah. So it's just so wild. Uh, <laughs> it is. It really is. Why do we do this to ourselves? I know. I've, I had a sincere moment of that the other day. Like, why do I? Why am I doing this? But it always comes for me. Okay. So here's actually something I've realized in the kind of chaos of the past couple months. I've realized I've, I've found the part of this journey that I really, truly take joy in. And I yes. tried to be very present for that. And for me, it's it's drafting. I, that's my absolute favorite thing. I tolerate revisions. I, you know, <laughs> I do what I have to do. But drafting for me, I'm totally just like in the zone, in the flow. I'm like possessed by the story. That's my absolute favorite thing. So I think I've become very aware of that. And I've, as I'm now in that process, I'm thinking like, like, this is the joy. This is why I do this. This is why I love this. And even if, you know, nothing comes out of this book, if it flops, whatever, like, this is why I did it. This this moment right here. And that's been helpful for me to kind of, I guess, thicken my skin against all the other not so great stuff. And I've, I've, I've done a better job of, of recognizing that um, and kind of back to handling our emotions. That's, that's what kind of keeps me going and, and pulls me through it. So. Yeah. I guess that's a piece of advice. If you find the thing that really, truly brings you joy in all this, yeah, try to just be present for it and and get as much out of it as you can. And shield it because that's the only thing yeah. within your control. 
you're yeah, creating exactly. whatever you're creating and whatever's giving you joy in that creation is what you can control. Everything else is just <laughs> not no the tornado yeah. the tornado <laughs> the tornado and we should say because obviously all three of us are still trucking along and we haven't decided to leave publishing after all of our experiences because there are so many wonderful things to oh my it. Gosh, like yes it's so Absolutely. amazing to chat with readers to meet readers like when somebody sends me a DM and is like, oh my God, I laughed so hard at this line in your book. Like that makes my whole fucking week. Like it is yes. the best feeling ever. Um, and so those are the moments that persuade us to push through the bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah. yeah the, so that's, yeah. Drafting. That's a great point. I'm glad you said that. Cause for me, drafting is the, the creative part that I love. And then when it's out in the world, I've, I've like, literally cried over messages people have sent me saying me how much they love my book or how they yeah. connected to it or whatever and I'm I'll, I'll tell them I'm like you just made my day and they're like oh thanks and I'm like no really you have no idea <laughs> no, really. how much this meant to me <laughs> I needed this yeah uh, so that yeah and yeah and like to have a you know at a in-person event or something to have a reader like tell you to your face oh. like how much they love your work it's just uh, I want to just like hug them and then they'll probably never talk to me again but <laughs> It's the best. Those moments make it worth it. I actually have a question for you guys. So when I'm at an in-person event, nothing means more to me than somebody coming up and talking to me. But I also feel like I can disassociate a little bit. Like I um, don't believe that they're talking to me about my work. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I know, right? this other person you're talking about. That's so awesome. Thank you. Like, I I really don't, I still cannot accept or conceptualize that that kind of thing is happening. Um, That like, I was able to connect with somebody in that way through like something I like sat here unshowered and in my sweatpants creating, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Do you ever feel that way? Like, do you ever feel a little bit disconnected from that experience? And it takes a while, like after an event, I'll process it for a while and like run back over things people said, or kind of just let it soak in because in the moment, I can't believe it. It's very surreal. Yeah, no, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Like when you do feel like they're talking about someone else. Yeah, like you, someone it's, else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think too, that goes back to how kind of disconnected we are from once we finish the book and hand it over and then we really don't have anything to do with how it gets into people's hands so it's kind of this like black box it disappears into and then like poof it's out in the world True. <laughs> um versus like you know handing it to someone I don't know uh, yeah it, that's yeah. a really really weird experience yeah. but I, I definitely relate to that well and also too like I know that I in general don't love socializing like I'm not a get up on stage and you know everybody look at me kind of a person so I kind of like have like a little bit of a and not like not to say that I'm being like disingenuine but like I have a little bit of like a face that you know like I feel like I have to put on when I'm talking with people because you know I want to be on and smiling and happy and like I want everybody to like me. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's definitely that little bit of like a shield or a mask that you have on when you're in those kinds of situations. And so what I love is the people that like 
kind of break through that for me. Oh. Like when we, um, yeah, when I had my launch at Meet Cute and those two most adorable <laughs> readers ever were like, we came here from New York to see you. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, why did you do that? <laughs> like, why would you do that just for me? But it's like, you have those moments that sort of like breach the wall. And those are always the ones that like really kind of stick with me. Yeah. No, I've, I've definitely had those moments too, where someone will do or say something and I'm like, me? Like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah it, it does feel very, very surreal sometimes. Yeah. And I like, talk, I like talking about this because there are so many facets to being in this industry and being an author, like the isolation of it sometimes, of the work, right? I think that is just kind of the nature of the work when you really, like Holly, like you get consumed by a project. It's you and that mm-hmm. project. And then having to yep. slowly like unleash it and then having to come out side of your home <laughs> and be like in the flesh and having, and then, you know, I often get this feeling like um, when I am doing a talk or something, I want people to enjoy it because they came all this way. So I feel like I want to like give back and hopefully make people laugh and make it worth coming out. And uh yeah, so it is a different face you put on as opposed mm-hmm. to like the one you're here with sometimes crying behind your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I've even I totally get that and I've even taken it to the level of like I'll like my appearance. Like I'll wear things that I normally wouldn't like I've just been I've been shopping for like my like book launch wardrobe kind of and I've bought these like super brightly colored like things that I I would like never wear to like, you know, my day job or anything like that. Me and too. That, to me that, that kind of creates this like separation and it's, it's really helpful. I'm like, you're like, Oh, well, what would Holly James do in this scenario? You know, like what I do my makeup, what I do makeup at all, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Like how do I want <laughs> to feel? And yeah, maybe I can craft and, that and look <laughs> to help me feel that yes, way. Yes. And like present yourself in, in that way. And yeah, I think that's something too that I've been paying more attention to that is, it's kind of helpful to ha- to have this like persona. Not that it's like fake, but it, it's it's more like I don't know. Goes along with being in the public, I guess. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm like would rather hide in my house, but if I have to go do all this, you know, like you said, I want people to enjoy it and appreciate. You know, I mean, I appreciate them coming, so I want to give back in a way, and I think it's it's fun to kind of make it a little little more dazzling than my normal life um yeah, so I don't bit. know how successful I am at it but <laughs> like a costume a little bit yeah a little bit yeah. yeah and the reward is then you know there there are these moments when like I didn't have to do all that like somebody will just come and and like be so genuine I'm like I, something my therapist did say to me is you don't need to perform like no one is you don't need to to feel that way, you know, you already created the work and they're just coming to connect with your heart and the heart behind this, the words that they connected with. And so that's something I try to remember too, but it does get yeah difficult to remember. <laughs> that Yeah. I definitely, during my debut launch event, I was, I was so certain it was going to be like, you know, my parents and my husband and my two best friends and nobody else. And there were, there were complete strangers there. And I was, I was so kind of like shocked by that, that I had trouble 
like dealing with it. Yeah. You know, like these complete strangers had purchased my book and wanted to come listen to me talk about it. And I was, again, I was like, why? Like me? <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, that's definitely hard to wrap your mind around the it first is. time. That yeah. But then, but then they're just so happy and it's so genuine and it's just kind of mind blowing to think that you can. Have yeah, it is. And sometimes readers will be shy and I'm like, please don't be shy. Like I am a mess. Please don't be shy talking <laughs> to me. Uh, you know, oh my God. Like I can't conceptualize that either. It's weird. The whole so thing, true. the whole thing. There's so many facets to it. All weird. Thanks for taking a while. I know we're kind of taking time, but no, I appreciate fine. you talking about I love about these conversations. It. The theme of this episode is publishing is weird. Exactly. (laughs) We keep coming back to that. The the thesis here for sure. With the emotional balance. Yeah. That's like the common thread. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, before we let you go, because we're taking up your entire day here, we have to (laughs) chat some of the fun and lighthearted things we have coming up this summer because we have so many amazing movies coming out. Um, Did you all see this Barbie dream house in Malibu. Oh my God. The real house. Yes. yes. I saw, I think like LA magazine put it on their Instagram story. Like before it had been officially like announced what it was, someone posted like hot side of this in Malibu. And then it was this whole thing. And that's amazing. Was this like, Airbnb? On Air- yeah. yeah. The Airbnb I thing. I thought that yeah. was fake. I thought it was a no, model house. It's, it's like, a, like a miniature model. <laughs> it's real. It's real. Yeah. It's real. I will not be. Okay. So by the time this publishes, it's too late anyway. But for the two of you, July 17th at like one o'clock or whatever is when the listing to the Airbnb opens. It's free. So it's like whoever gets there first oh, to like make their reservation to stay in the Barbie dream house. Oh my God. They're going to crash Airbnb servers. Yes. <laughs> but I, I'm just dying for everything Barbie movie is doing right now. I'm just like, Yes. Give me all of it. I want everything. <laughs> me too. I love it. So I was a huge Barbie girl. I I loved Barbie, which I guess, I don't know, if you read my first book, that might be surprising because it's kind of like this raging feminist like tirade, but <laughs> I, I I loved Barbie. I, play, I had I had the like hot pink like cases. I had like the Barbie McDonald's thing and like, um, I don't think I had a dream house, but I had like two Barbie cars and I, yeah, I, I loved them and I'm, I, adore margot robbie and greta gerwig i'm just like i when they first announced this movie i was like i had didn't even begin to fathom what the plot was going to be yeah but at the same but time we didn't I, care. Like, I don't i don't care i'm gonna see it <laughs> doesn't matter what it is yeah now that i've seen it i'm i'm so incredibly excited for it i absolutely can't wait you know highlight of the summer and not to like oh god why am i analyzing everything today um but honestly like barbie is this world where as a young you know, kid, I could conceptualize like, Hey, this is my world, bitch. (laughs) Like, like, you know, young children can kind of take control and create their world and what they want to do in it. And I think that's very empowering. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, totally. Barbie, I think it'd be very empowering. I think so too. Yeah. I think, I mean, there's obviously been a lot of criticism about, a lot of things to do with oh, Barbie. Absolutely. Um, her, like, let's you know. please have more diversity and body diversity and please. <laughs> like realistic body to yes. start. But yes. <laughs> it would be cool. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but like you said, like, I remember 
playing with Barbies and, you know, I had like Barbie Ken and Skipper and I think I had like the brunette, like Malibu Barbie or whatever. Um, and, but I would use them to tell stories. I would make yeah. little like vignettes and I would, you know, they'd have little relationships and parties and like that, that really fueled my creativity as a kid. And of course I also, you know, got to the stage of like giving them haircuts and like <laughs> that tattoos. <laughs> like, what's her name? What's um, yes. Kate, M- Kate McKinnon's oh, character. Oh, she's like Mar- marker face Barbie. Yeah. I had some of those for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I just, yeah, I remember that first moment of like seeing her in the trailer, and I was like, "Oh, we all had a Barbie like that." Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I'm like the Birkenstocks and the like high heeled shoes. She's like, choose one. And I just love oh, it. Like Ken so never excited. had a job. Like Ken, my Ken. I, I remember my Ken constantly <laughs> just being in the passenger seat of the pink Corvette. That's where he lived. Yeah. Exactly. That's his purpose in life. He's just the passenger he's just princess. A, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Barbie is everything, and he's just Ken. They nailed it. (laughs) Ken. So good. But he had to go move Uh, to the back seat when my friends were in the car, my Barbie friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he was, like, in the trunk. Demoted to back seat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Are there any other movies you are looking forward to this summer? Um, I think it already came out. The the one with Jennifer Lawrence, No Hard Feelings. Oh. I really wanted to see that one. Oh. Um, it was kind of like a low, they didn't do a ton of publicity for it, but it's the one where like, it's very R-rated, but it's like her or this um, uh, young boy, not boy, this young man who's about to go off to college and has like zero sexual experience. His parents hire her to like basically sleep with him before he goes off to college. And she, she's like desperate and broke and needs, needs money to like fix her car or something silly. And then, you know, she's trying to like seduce him and he's just oblivious and like, can't do anything. And it just looks, I love Jennifer Lawrence and it looks really funny. Um, I think that one came out last weekend, actually. So that's on my list. I've seen The Little Mermaid. I I know. I, I, when I saw the trailer for that, I was like, that, that could be a a romance novel. I would a hundred percent read that. (laughs) For sure. Super fun. That probably already um, is a romance novel somewhere. Probably. It yeah. is out there. <laughs> yeah. I I saw The Little Mermaid and loved it. I cried like loved. three times. Um, Same. It was beautiful. Everyone and it was pitch perfect. Um, what else? I kind of like can't see past Barbie. I don't even know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. What's coming after that? Yeah. The pink I am going to be in Italy when Barbie comes out. And I legitimately was like... Oh, I'm sad. I'm going to be in Italy, which is like the stupidest thing I've ever thought. <laughs> like, Cry into your gelato, Fallon. <laughs> but I will be seeing it the moment I get back. Like that might be the first thing I do when I get off the plane. It's like, will I say hi to my child or will I go see Barbie? It's toss up. <laughs> wait a minute, you'll be all jet lagged. So, yeah. oh, wait a minute. Why don't we all go after? The happy hour thing. Oh, Ooh. yes. Can we make that, that happen? That's a good idea. Yeah. Can we it make that happen? It comes on the 21st, right? And that's yeah. the 28th. <gasps> so it'll be the next week. Oh my God. Barbie party. <laughs> okay, now I have to find something really pink to wear. I was going to say, we got to get pink wardrobes. Uh, oh my, oh, I guess we should mention. Okay, so Summer Book Fest is happening and Holly <laughs> is joining us at Barnes & Noble in Valencia, California, July 28th. Wait. 30th. It will be over by the time this episode releases. So hopefully you were there and you hopefully were there. Well. <laughs> yeah, great to see you. <laughs> Math is hard, but anyway, days are hard. The Barbie movie was awesome. We all had an amazing time. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> <Lord, laughs> me. 
<laughs> Amazing. All right, Holly, before we let you go, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Yes, on the internet, I'm mostly active on Instagram, I would say. My author account um, is um, Hello Holly James, and it's the same on Twitter. Um, and then my website is hollyjamesbooks.com. That's the cutest Amazing. handle. I know, it's so cute. I, you know, I had a really hard time getting one that wasn't already taken. <laughs> there are a lot of Holly James in the world. <laughs> um, so I saw, uh, I've seen people say like, you know, hey, fill in the name or hello, fill in the name or something. So I, it worked in the, the all the, the L's and the alliteration is, is fun there. Or, yes. But it works out. I'm glad there's no other hello Holly James out there. <laughs> we love it. Um, this has been a truly amazing conversation. I'm really looking forward to going back and listening to this one again. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully it was insightful and people are feeling seen as they listen to this. So thank you both for your honesty and uh, maybe... I'm like, I don't want to discourage people from going into publishing. Like, if that's what you really want, please do it. It is worth it, I promise. Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, just take the awareness with you yes. that it's going to be an emotional journey yes. <laughs> as part of it. Yes. That's a good place to leave it. And keep your friends uh, close. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Find, your, find your people. And DM sure. us if you need us. Okay. We're here for you. Yes for sure. Always. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K K A E on all social media platforms. And you can find me Fallon Ballard at Fallon Ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time.